Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. So we've been busy with a little sermon series the last while called in the vicinity of my calling and it was so great last week we listened to a message from pastor heinrich as he also shared with us and he just tied so nicely into it now sharing on the hope of his calling and if you missed that it's on youtube it's on our facebook pages please go and listen to that as we just again noticed you know that god is coming to do a specific word not only in show for secunda but in show for global as well. You know, there's something that God has really laid in his heart. And there's something that God is busy sharing with us and wanting to impart into our lives. And today we're going to continue with this little sermon series with part three called Formed at His Feet. Formed at the feet of Jesus. You know, eventually we look at the sending out, at the go and proclaiming the gospel, at the authority to go and raise the dead and cast out demons. But for now, we're just going to pause a little while at the feet of Christ. You know, something needs to happen here. And many times, you know, we want to rush past that. We want to rush past this place. We want to go somewhere else. But here is where God wants to form us before He sends us out. And for those of you who missed part one and part two, just to quickly recap that, we looked at a passage in Mark chapter three from verse 13 to 15. And we're, looking, we're going to look at that again in just a, a short while where Jesus goes up on a mountain and He calls those whom He desires and we saw, you know, that the initial thing that the disciples did was simply came to Jesus. And that's how simple it is in the beginning. When we hear the call of Jesus calling us to himself is to go to him. And again, that invitation stands today and will stand every day. No matter where you are in your relationship with God, no matter how far you feel or how passive or how distracted, you can again just simply come to Jesus as he calls us, the good shepherd, continuously going after his sheep. But then we also saw in part two that it's not just coming to Jesus, receiving something and going out again. No, but God wants us to remain at that place. There's something special that happens there. You know, God's saying that one of the reasons why I've called you is to be with me, the eternal part of our calling that will never change, to simply be with Jesus. And we looked at what it means to abide in Christ and what it means for Christ to abide in us. And when does that happen? And we saw that it's through obedience that Christ comes and dwells with us. If we want to really experience the fullness of God, if we really want to walk in the joy of the Lord, have the greatest revelation of Him and experience His fullness, it's only found in a life devoted to Christ and full of obedience towards Him. But we also saw that obedience is not the key. It's our love for Jesus that leads us to obedience. Loving Jesus leads to obeying Jesus. And how we grow in love is when we realize and when we fix our eyes and our attention on the fact that the loving, glorious, almighty, righteous and holy Son of God came and died for you and me. So that we might know Him. So that we might be with Him. And when we realize that, when we see that, when we focus on that, our love for God begins to grow. Obedience begins to flow out. And the abiding takes place and we begin to bear much fruit and we grow in our revelation of who God is. That is what it looks like to abide with Christ. But today we're going to ask the question, what happens there? This bearing of fruit, what does it mean? What does it look like? And how does it happen? How does it happen? So we're going to look again at this passage of Scripture in Mark 3, from verse 13 to 15. 
And it says the following, this is just after Jesus told the disciples that the harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into the harvest field. Jesus went up on a mountain. He prayed the whole night. And that's where we pick up the story. Verse 13, and he went upon the mountain and called to him those whom he desired. And they came to him. And he appointed twelve whom he also named apostles so that they might be with him. And that he might send them out to preach. And have authority to cast our demons. First they came, then they remained with him. And the question that we have to ask ourselves is what happens at the remaining with Jesus, at the beginning to know him and the staying with him? And like we said, this relationship is to be marked by such intimacy that Christ is in us and we are in him. That's the deepest relationship that we are supposed to have. It's the most intimate relationship that we are supposed to have, the most open relationship one relationship that relates to that that's supposed to point to that it's the relation between a man and his wife wife and her husband point to that but it's not fully that one of Jesus is supposed to be deeper you know that's quite a challenging statement when I mean, we think about it that way but what happens there you know because as Jesus calls the 12 as he calls us originally when we just come to Jesus we're not ready for the mission Yes, we, we don't have the message to go and proclaim that that should be imparted into us as well. But also the lifestyle that goes apart with that. The formation of things that should happen in my life when I go out. The message that I proclaim is also visible in the way that I live my life. You see, many of the hurt, many of the confusion is found in that. People going out, very eager to share the message. But their life hasn't been formed. They've rushed past the feet of Jesus. They haven't allowed the formation to take place, the maturation to take place. And when they go and proclaim a message, the life doesn't quite align with the message that people hear. And both is very important. And then many times, like Jesus, I'm, I'm not hearing your leading when it comes to my calling. I'm not hearing your voice when it comes to the leading out. And God is saying, yes, it's because you're rushing past the maturation process, the, the formation, where I want to come and impart character into your life. Before I give you authority. And that's what's happening to the apostles at this moment. You know, God says, you know, I'm going to give you a great message, great responsibility. You know, when Paul writes to Timothy, he says, God, the deposit entrusted to you. That's the message of the gospel. Guard it with your life. Very important. And with that, God says, I'll allow my anointing to rest on you. I'll give you authority. Very, very great responsibility. And God says, I want to make sure that to those whom I give it, there's character that's built into their lives. And so the question that we have to ask ourselves, at that place of being with Jesus, what's the elements that's there that allows us to grow, that allow our sanctification to take place? that allow discipleship to happen. And the second question, what is it that is formed in us? What grows? How does a mature Christian look like? Is it someone full of self-confidence, full of power and authority, you know, with great wisdom and knowledge? Yes, God adds those things to us, but what is it that he initially wants to come and do? What's God's picture of a mature Christian? What is the char characteristics of that person? And to give us a hint, I don't know who's been in this church longer than 2016. From 2016 and longer, anybody? Nobody. No one. Tienes is not sure. Maybe. Tienes might have been or might not have been here, <laughs> but for those over Zoom. Henny came to us in 
2016, I think it was in October, and he came to preach a sermon on the elements of discipleship. So for those maybe listening over Zoom that has been here a bit longer, and he said in the same passage, those are the elements that allows us to be shaped. If these three things are there, inevitably there will be growth. If you allow these things to take root in your life. And that is when the people of God listen to the word of God in the presence of God. When those three things come together, there will be growth. There will be sanctification. And, you know, the disciples literally sitting with one another at the feet of Jesus, physically with them in front of them. And Jesus is speaking his words over them. They're seeing the glory of Jesus. They're witnessing as he ministers to the people. For us, it looks a little bit different. The presence of God is the Holy Spirit that is now with us and lives within us. The people of God, all those who call upon the name of the Lord with a sincere heart and a good faith, sitting under the word of God, if we allow that to take place in our life, then we grow. Next week, Vanner will preach at the evening congregation, but the Sunday after that, we will again pick up on part number four, and then we'll look at how that happens when the Word, the Spirit, and the people of God come together and growth take place. But tonight, we're going to focus on what happens. Into what are we grown? How does these people look like that God sends out? And to put the first slide on the board, you know, this is a bit of expectation management. This is the expectation that we have when speaking about being sent out by God, what God wants to come and do in us, what's the things that He wants to grow in us. This is the expectation. Yes. We're going to be bold, you know, we're going to have confidence. And now picture the disciples sitting there at Jesus' feet, you know, and there's a lot of people busy following Jesus. And these are the special ones that Jesus called. And they might be thinking to themselves, wow, this is going to be nice, you know, we're going to go and proclaim this message of the gospel. You know, and to us who are saved, there's no greater message. There's no better news than the good news of the gospel that Jesus came to save. So, oh, the people are going to love this. They're going to love this message. And more than that, out of all these people God chose us, surely we, we must have something special within ourselves that God chose us to go and proclaim this message. Well, we must be brave. We must be confident. You know, something in us. I wonder what is it that God saw in us. And the world, they want to give us this picture of what it means to be successful. Every millionaire, billionaire, and trillionaire quote out there. You know, just be confident in yourself. You have what it takes. Go and do it. Portrays this picture, you know, of the man standing there, the woman standing there in their armor. And they might think to themselves, oh, the people are going to think we're so great. Imagine how we look for the people. We're going to go and have authority to proclaim a message, raise the dead, cast out demons. I mean, we're following the king of the world. This is going to be lovely. And they walk down the mountain in Luke 6. You can go and read, read that. It's not on the board. And Jesus goes and shows them what this ministry looks like, what the sending out looks like. And he goes and the people gather and Jesus starts to teach the people and the apostles realize, okay, wow. He's teaching with authority. I haven't seen something like this. And yes, it's loving words, but it's also hard words. Some of the people are offended by it. Some even go and plan how to kill him. Some want to throw him with stones, and another time they wanted to press him off a cliff. And Jesus looks at the disciples and says, Don't worry, they hate me, they will hate you as well. And all of a sudden the picture begins to change. Well, this is not at all what we expected. And Jesus goes and he heals the sick. He raises the dead. 
He cast out demons and all of a sudden the disciples kind of get the sense, you know, do I have what it takes? I haven't seen something like this. I haven't be, beheld someone with this authority in my life before. And it might seem great to go and cast out demons, you know, but it's not something nice to witness. To think that this person was held captive by these things. Yes, it's great when they are free, but for them to be free, they had to be held first. It's not glorious. It's not great. It's not good to witness. And all of a sudden, the disciples must have realized, Chucks, we are not this. How are we going to do this? How are we going to do the same? And all of a sudden, reality kicks in. If we can go to that next picture. And we get a glimpse of who we truly are, what, what we truly look like. It's not the man and the woman in, in the shield, the sword. It's this. There we are. Reality. We are the sheep. Not at all so brave. Not at all so powerful. But a realization that, that we're going to need some help. We don't have what it takes. And this is not a bad thing. In fact, God says if, if we don't realize that we are this, then there's no moving forward. I can't work with a, with a guy and the girl that thinks that they are the soldier that have what it takes. I can't work with that. I actually actively resist the proud. But I give grace to the humble. And God says my treasure I place in jars of clay. Jars of clay. We're going to look at that in a moment. Now Paul writes in, 2 Corinthians 12, and you can also go and read that when you have the time. And he says, I had this great revelation of who God is. You know, I was caught up into the third heavens. And I beheld things, I heard things that you're not allowed to say on earth. That's a great revelation. And he says, but to keep me from becoming conceited, from becoming too prideful, from becoming too self-focused and self-confident, I was given a thorn in the flesh. And I pleaded with God, Lord, take it away. But he said to me, No. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. In weakness, my power is made perfect. And Paul says, when I realize that, now I boast in my weakness, so that the power of God can rest upon me. For his sake then, I am content with weakness, with insults, with hardships, with calamity. Because when I am weak, then I am strong. When I realize that I'm not the guy and the girl standing there with the armor, looking all confident, thinking that I have what it takes, then I'm strong. When I know I'm not. One of those strange things found only in Christianity. When we know we are weak, when we know we're not the soldiers, we are the sheep, then we are strong. Then God comes and He works with us. We read in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 7, it's on the board and you can read with me says the following, but we have this treasure in jars of clay. What is this treasure that Paul is speaking of? It's the verse just before it. He says, in God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give us the light of the gospel and the image of Jesus in the face of God. We've, we've beheld that. We've seen the glory of Jesus. We have the message of the gospel inside of us. That is the treasure. But we are carrying it in jars of clay. For what purpose? To show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. God delights in placing that treasure in jars of clay and people who realize that, they don't, that they're not that great within themselves. God didn't call them because they are something special and you know we have what it takes. We have that boldness. Oh, I can be. Just look to myself if I need some strength. And for Afrikaners, it's, 
quite difficult. And Paul writes to the Corinthians church in 1 Corinthians 3, and he says to them, you know, you guys are starting to follow men. Each one, you know, is getting his favorite teacher, Apollos and Paul. And he says to them, I came and I planted, Apollos watered, but neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything. Only God who gives the growth. He is everything. Do you realize that? We, we're not special. Don't try to imitate us. Don't try to follow us. We don't have what it takes. God is the one that gives the growth. God is the one that empowers us. The surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Now, and Paul said it to them, you know, but there was another couple of guys who didn't realize it. Read the story in Acts 19, verse 11 to 16. You can also go and read that when you have time. Seven sons of a high priest, the sons of Sceva. Don't know who've read that story before. But they see the ministry of Paul and he's doing wonders and they think to themselves, wow, this guy is quite the soldier. Even the handkerchiefs that he sends out, when he reaches people, they get healed of their sickness and demons get cast out. Let's try, and, let's try and imitate him. Let's also be bold. Let's also be brave. And let's use the name of Jesus as he does. And they go and try it. And the demon says to them, we know Jesus, we recognize Paul, but who are you? Who are you? Do you think that there's something inside of you? Do you think you carry some, some authority, some power, some self-confidence? It's not going to work here. And one man leaps on the seven of them and he beats them and they run away naked. And God says, you know, beware lest that happens to us. I'm not speaking about a physical demon possessed guy jumping on us and beating us until we're naked. That's, that's rough. That person or those seven guys need some counseling after that. That's a story. But in every area of our life, God says when we try and do that, when we look past God, we will find ourselves in those areas where we feel naked and ashamed, where we feel like we've been beat down. When we try to look to ourselves instead of knowing that God is the one that empowers us, God is the one that works through us. You know, many times we hear different gospel being preached these days because this one doesn't sell quite so well. I mean, we are called as the sheep to go and tell the people that tries to be the soldiers not to do that. Hey, don't do, don't do that. Rather become weak. Like, I know you're very strong. I know you're very wise. I, I know you have a lot of riches. But why don't you try not boast in that and actually say you are weak so that God can come in? This is not a good message. But it's the truth nonetheless. To go and tell people, stop trying to be the soldier. In fact, you don't have it in you to win the war. In fact, if you realize it, you're in dire need of a savior. To come and save you, actually. That's where we're at. We're the sheep. We're not the soldiers, guys. And it's a difficult message to proclaim. And the disciples, at least, they realized this as they spent time with Jesus. You know, the original 27 guys, that um, 72 guys that got sent out. Yes, they tried to get a bit distracted when it came to the casting out of demons. But at least they, they realized this truth that they said to Jesus in Luke 10. And they said to Jesus that at the mention of your name, the demons obey us. At the mention of your name, we are the sheep. You are the lion of Judah. And at the mention of your name, knees bow, demons flee, sicknesses get healed. At the mention of your name, we don't have what it takes. Now, and we might ask ourselves, okay, we don't, we know that we are not there, but doesn't God try to like grow that in us? Isn't there a place where we should maybe reach that or try to, to at least go there? What is God focusing on? How does a mature Christian look like? 
What is it that God wants to come and impart? What is it that, that He wants to come and form in our hearts when we sit at His feet? And read the following in Colossians 3, verse 12. It says, Put on then, as God's chosen ones, those whom He called, those who came to Him, those who are sitting at His feet, as those people, holy and beloved, put on the following compassionate hearts, kindness, humility meekness and patience bearing with one another if you're known as a complaint against another forgive each other as the Lord has forgiven you so you must also forgive and above all these put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony but Lord don't you want to focus on authority power might strength don't you want to grow that God's like no I want to first focus on a compassionate heart Someone who cares for the people that I'm about to send them to. That's maturity. Kindness. Humility. Meekness. And patience. That's a mature Christian. God says that is the person that I give authority to. That is the person that I give anointing to. And we might think, no, but Lord, isn't it someone that, that's like really great in the gifts of the Spirit? God says, no, this person, the compassionate heart, he will be great in that. Because he loves people. He understands that the power does not come from within himself, but it's given him by God. God is the one working through him. This is the person whom I'm happy to rest my authority, my power, and my anointing upon. The one who cares. That is character. That is a mature Christian. That is the picture right there. Challenging in the world wants to come and paint a different picture of what maturity looks like. What we are to focus on when God calls us. That takes us to point number one tonight. In the vicinity of my calling, point number one. First character, then the calling. God first wants to lead us in the area of character before he wants to lead us in the area of ministry. And some of us tonight might you know, think that, you know, Lord, I want to I be sent out, Lord. I want to go and minister. You know? I want to go and proclaim the goodness of your name. And many times there's a bit of a wrong focus in there. Many times not. But God says, I first want to build character. <coughs> I didn't really cough. It's just a joke. Don't take it too seriously. It's just a grappie. But God says, that is the person that I delight to place my authority upon. That is the person. And to bring it a bit maybe close to home where we can really test ourselves and we ask ourselves, how are you doing in the area of character? When we name those couple of things that God wants to come and grow. Meekness, compassionate heart, humility, gentleness, patience. The fruits of the Spirit, you know, how are we doing in that area? And to maybe make it a bit more, like I said, close to home, there's a scripture in Philippians 2, verse 3, speaking about the mind of Christ that we are to have amongst ourselves and it says do nothing out of selfish ambitions or conceit but in humility regard others more significant than yourselves they're significant they are more significant than me i regard them more significant than myself and the area where we should test this is at your workplace when you think about the people that you work with your team your colleagues your office is that true do you regard them more significant than yourself or do you think the greatest thing about your team is you? Wow, they are lucky to have me. I'm so gifted. I don't know where these people would be without me, man. 
I really bring something to the table. And unfortunately, there's the other guy who we always have to help. You know, he adds no value. That brings it a bit close to home. If you want to go and really think about that, you know, especially as you go through the week and as you engage and work with people, is that the mindset that we have, we regard them as more significant than ourselves. Carrying value. I look not only to my own interest, but also to their interest. That is what God has called us to. Now, I think we might ask ourselves also now at this point, okay, we realize maybe that we are the sheep, but how on earth are we going to accomplish the mission? How on earth does the sheep go and do that work? How do we go and make disciples of nations? How do we go baptizing people? How do we teach them to obey all that Jesus told us? And the way we do it on earth is with this power given us from heaven. It says in Acts 1 verse 8, it says the following. Jesus speaking to the disciples just after he's given them the great commandment, just before he's going to ascend into heaven, and he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You will receive power. By definition, you don't have it. You are still to receive it. You don't have it. You know, this, is, this is one of the best illustrations ever in the Gospels. You know, just before Jesus sends into heaven, and four verses earlier in verse four, he tells his disciples, listen here guys, I'm about to ascend into heaven. I'm going to be seated at the right hand of the Father. I'm not going to be with you physically. And what I want you to do, I know I've just given you this great commission, but what I want you to do is to go and wait in Jerusalem. Don't try and do it yet. Wait for the promise that I've promised you my Father will pour out on you. That is the gift of the Holy Spirit. A couple of days from now, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit, but until then, go and wait in a room. Remember, you are the sheep. You don't have what it takes. Until I'm again present with you, until the people of God goes and ministers the word of God in the power of the spirit of God. Wait here. The same things that shape us are the same things that carry us out into the mission. But we'll look at that next time. But Jesus is saying to them, wait. You don't have it. Remember, God needs to come and work it through. And until I'm present again in your life, through the working of the Holy Spirit, just wait in the room. Pray. Pray together with one another. And when the spirit comes, then... We can go out again. That takes us to point number two. In the vicinity of my calling. Point number one. First character, then the calling. Point number two. We don't have power. We receive power. You know, many times this is the greatest hindrance when it comes to us being sent out. You know, some people, they have, they have no desire to go out and proclaim the goodness of the gospel. And, and then there's something wrong with our connection. And Jesus says, as he calls us, we come to him. As we come to him, we stay there. As we stay, we behold. We see Jesus. And from that place, we cannot help but proclaim how good is our God. How great is our God. How holy is our God. It's something that will flow out automatically. For those of us who experience you know, that urgency to go out, to go and proclaim, this is the area where the enemy wants to come and tempt us. In the area of authority and of power. Before we go out, the questions come, you know, but do you have what it takes to lead someone to Christ? Do you think your words will be persuasive enough? Do you think your knowledge of Scripture is adequate? Do you think you have what it takes? When it comes to deliverance, you know, we, 
went last year specifically on a mission for specific deliverance. And now you know, now, now you know, it's getting real. You know that you, you're not maybe going to encounter someone that's demon-possessed, but a lot of people. Now the question comes, have you prayed, have you prayed enough? Have you fasted enough? Enemy comes and tempts us. Do you have what it takes? Do you have that authority? And I want to give you an encouragement. Whenever he does that, tell him, thanks for the reminder. No, I don't. I don't have what it takes. God is working this through me. See, because when that temptation comes, he wants to come and shift our focus to whether we have it or not. And we don't. We don't have it. And the more we search for it, the more we'll find we don't have it. And we pray and we wonder, yes, is this really going to work? Instead of experiencing the freedom that I am not the one that's making this work. I'm not the one healing. I'm not the one delivering. I'm not the one saving. That is God. He's doing it through me. What freedom? I'm not the one that gives the growth. I simply go and plant the seed. And if God says water, then I water. But the growth comes from God. What freedom? To go out and know that it doesn't depend on me. But on God who gives the growth. That's something great. And I want to leave us with the following scripture. Jeremiah 9, 23 to 24. It says the following. Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and knows me that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness on the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. Don't delight in someone that thinks he's wise, mighty, or rich. I, I delight in someone that understands and knows me, that understands that I practice justice, steadfast love, righteousness in the earth, and he wants to partner with that. In these things I delight, declares the Lord. I'm going to end off with us in prayer, and yet, church, you're just going to, Turn to one another and discuss a couple of things on Zoom. You're going to go into a breakout groups. I would really encourage you guys to know you just said that where sanctification happens, where growth and discipleship happens, is when the people of God come together under the Word of God, in the presence of God. That is a breakout room. And that is us turning to one another at church. Now if I would have it my way, you know, switch off when the sermon is preached, but just go into the breakout room. Just have fellowship with one another. Pray for one another. Encourage one another. It's so, so important. And what we're going to discuss as we go into our groups is three things. Firstly, when it comes to the area of character, is my character consistent in every area of my life? When I'm at home, when I'm at small group, when I'm with friends, when I'm at work, am I the same person character-wise? And I've actually realized that at home, the true character actually comes out because there's not a tendency to pretend because these people know who, I'm who I really am at work or with friends or with people that I don't know. It's easier to pretend because I don't want to disappoint them, especially being their pastor, you know. But at home, they know who I am and there the true character comes out. So how are you doing character-wise? And then also, what is something that God has really come and built in you in this time, maybe through the lockdown? Some character aspect that God has really grown you in. And then one not so nice one that needs a bit of work. Maybe some patience. Maybe some humility. Maybe some just in general love for the people around you. So how are you doing character-wise in every area of your life? Is it consistent? What's a good character trait that God has come and built into you? And what is one 
that you need to work on. So let me pray for us and then we can go into our groups. Yes, Lord, thank you, Father. Thank you that you are good, Lord. Thank you that you know what you are doing, Lord. Thank you, Father, that we can come and sit at your feet, Father, and you say, Lord, that you, you're desiring, Lord, to do a work in us, Father. You want to come and do a maturation process in us, Lord. You want to come and give growth, Lord. You want to come and sanctify, Lord. As Paul writes to the Thessalonians, this is the will of God, your sanctification. He wants to come and sanctify you. And thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, that you want to come and do that work in us, Lord. And also pray tonight, Lord, that we might just experience, Lord, immense freedom, Father, knowing, Lord, that we don't have what it takes to go and fulfill the Great Commission. We don't have what it takes to walk in our callings apart from you, Lord. You are the one that works it in us. Christ in me, the hope of glory. And yes, Lord, as we go out this week, Father, I just pray that we be continuously reminded of that, Lord. You are working through us. I pray for every small group leader to be encouraged, Lord. When the enemy comes in tension, how's your small group doing? Are people growing? Are they engaging? We want to be faithful, Father, and listen and do what you call us to, Father, but you are the one that gives the growth. You are the one that holds your people close, Lord. You are the one that leads. You are the one that guides. And thank you, Lord, that we can just come and give over, Father, to you, saying you are the one that gives the growth. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being with us and leading us. Thank you, Jesus, for your example. We want to say, Father, as we go out and proclaim the message of the gospel, that we who abide in you want to walk as you walk, Lord. Come and do that work in us, in Jesus' name. Amen. Cool, guys, you can turn to one another and just spend some time together and on Zoom. Enjoy your breakout rooms.